Welcome to the Design Imposter Podcast, where we unravel the enigmatic realm of imposter syndrome. My name's Monique Jenkins. And I'm Jessica Vallis. We're two agency owners who've boldly faced the reality of imposter syndrome. We'll share relatable stories and practical insights that empower designers and business owners just like you. Together, we'll help you conquer self-doubt and unleash your true potential. Get ready to unveil your true brilliance. Welcome to Design Imposter. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Design Imposter. I'm Mooney, one of your two hosts, and this week we're going to be talking about money, specifically about how we price work in our design businesses. But also, I want to touch on the time before we had our businesses and we worked for corporations. I know money is a particularly sensitive subject for some people, but I love talking about money. Um, so this is going to be super awesome for me. Jessica, first things first, how do you feel about talking about money? This is my least favorite topic of all time on a personal <laughs> and professional level. The worst time of the month is when my mom tells me my student loans are due. And I'm like, mom, I know. Listen, there is a lot of money, but so is childcare and a mortgage. I will get to it, I promise. I hate, I hate talking money. <laughs> it just makes me so uncomfortable. So I usually just ignore it. I... I love talking about me. I talk about me all the time uh, with everyone in all places. There is no inappropriate place for me to talk about revenue sources with someone. So I, um, it just reinvigorates me. I love telling designers to charge more in their businesses. I love negotiating salaries. I love finding out what other people are making. I love moving jobs in order to climb, you know, salary ladders and all the things in between. And I love being super transparent about money all the time. There's never a horrible time to ask me about money. Uh, but also, I always feel like as a woman of color, I'm doing a disservice to other women and specifically women of color when I'm not sharing the details of money. Uh, so you can ask me about money whenever you want to. I'm super into it. Um, I Okay, I just said I hate talking about money. But since we just started this podcast, I feel like you and I have been very transparent with how we do finances in regard to our businesses just within the first, this is episode three, and we've already talked about, you know, the $500 clients versus the 10,000 versus the 100,000. So we're very upfront about that. So I guess that's a good way to start this, you know, this whole series. And I'm with you when it comes to helping designers price their work. I have an intern turned freelancer, Rebecca Doyle. She does photography. And the first time she did my headshots, we shot them in the morning and then within like four hours, she sent them back and she sent me an invoice for like $125. And I said, Rebecca, you charged way too little. Like you could have doubled or tripled this given the time that you like edited, sent it back to me, the number of pictures you gave me. So it's been kind of like a really good mentorship opportunity, just kind of like help coach her into her photography business and helping her with pricing and coming up with packages. Um, I want people to succeed. And even if that means I have to spend an extra $100, $200 for somebody's work, I'm cool with that. You get paid what you deserve. Yeah. Yeah. I've done something similar. Like I've called or people have called me that I have talked to um, in random places, probably from an event or something like that. And they'll email me and be like, hey, I just got this you know, job offer, this is a salary that they are offering me. What do you think? And I'm like, ask for more money. Negotiate your salary. It doesn't even matter if the company says no. Just ask for more money at all times because you never know. And I have a lot of friends who are in the HR space and they always tell me like, there's money on the table. People never ask for it. Like, I think 
I remember some one of my friends telling me like he works in um, HR at some place, and he said that they made an offer to someone for I don't know sixty thousand dollars, but they had a hundred thousand in the budget, but the woman never asked for more, so they didn't give her any more. And then they were like, they took that money that she didn't take and they gave it to someone else in another position because they had the money sitting on the table and, you know, so use it or lose it type of situation. And I was like, you talked yourself about a $40,000. Like you could have been like, uh, I actually think that, you know, based on the market, this should be the salary offering. So I tell people, negotiate your salary at all times. Talk to them people. I tried to do that when I worked at Wells Fargo. The, it got a little bit stagnant for me because there was no corporate ladder for me to climb. There was just laterals. So there was a great lateral over in San Francisco. Chris and I were like totally on board to go make that big move. And I saw the salary and I was like, this is a good number. But then when you take into account the difference in living between Baltimore and San Francisco, I was like, I'm going to be making less money there. So when I tried to negotiate, they're like, well, this is what the average designer would make here. And I was like, but I'm not the average designer. So. (laughs) Look, you pay for what you want. And if you want me to move, you will have to pay for it. Yeah, I don't. um, I always tell people to ask because like if you never ask and you don't know. And even if they say no, like, you know that you're going in with your best foot forward as opposed to being like, I'm afraid to ask, which I think is where most women kind of land is that a good majority of women never talk about money. They don't ask about salary. They don't negotiate their salaries. They kind of just accept what's offered. And you're never going to know unless you get into the details with whomever you're working with. And copper beard, like do your market research, figure out what the numbers are for other designers in your area who make this amount of money and don't come with like crazy outlandish numbers. I mean, sometimes I come with crazy outlandish numbers, but I'm willing to take the no and go to another company if that's what's required. And for women especially, you need to ask for that higher number to decrease that wage gap. So, because you know they're going to be paying the male counterpart version of your position $10,000, $20,000, more. So, nasty. Doesn't hurt. Yep. Yeah. So, before we dive deeper into talking about money, let's make some clarifications about design and money. Uh, there is no one-size-fits-all approach to pricing. There are different approaches that people take, and this is just what's going to work for Jessica and myself. Um, And our approaches are even different in how we do things. I also think that it's different per client, situation, phase of your life, how the moon is touching the sky, and your business in general. So typically, when I hear designers talk about money, they talk about it in two different respects. The first is hourly. The second is having a set price or fixed price for your work. So hourly is just what it is. Um, I'm going to charge this client $50 per hour for this amount of work or for eight hours of work or whatever the case is. Your fixed fee is going to be a client comes to you and say, says something to the effect of, I want to redesign my site. You tell them I'm going to charge you $5,000. So it doesn't matter how many hours you work. You're going to stick to that $50,000 or $5,000 number uh, until the project is complete or something to that effect uh, at some of the time. Jessica. How do you price your work for your business? Is it hourly? Is it fixed? Is there a mix in between? How do you kind of have that conversation with clients? So I go for a fixed package. It's never been hourly. And when I'm building the fixed package, I generally have a sense of how many hours it's going to take me. If it's going to be just a basic five-page website with home, services about, contact, blog, I generally know how many hours that's going to take. And Before you even jump into the proposal, you should probably have a conversation with 
this potential client to see if you're on board with the same things. Like if you know that they've got a lot of expectations for these five pages, then sure, go ahead and up the price so that you're not working yourself to the point where you're only making $12 an hour. Um, That being said, I have it set in my head that I make $150 an hour. So if I am, you know, trying to figure out, well, this is a small project, maybe it's something one off, like, hey, Jessica, can you just add this one page to my website? I do think of it a little bit like that. So, okay, this page, it's going to take me three hours. So three times 150 or $200, like, I might go off of that based on how much. So for me and my business, I charge two fifty an hour. Uh, oh my damn! Are high. God, um, I am the imposter here. I, I am that, underselling yeah, myself. I'm, you know, I don't play about my money. Uh, um, <laughs> I uh, I don't want every single client that comes to me. I think something that you said, which is like you have to know for yourself about how much time something is going to take you, and you have to know you know, what the right price point is for the client that you're working with. So I don't want to get into a situation where I'm doing a bunch of small tasks for a client for the $250 an hour because $250 is an investment, but it's an investment into your business. And if you're not willing to invest at least $250, I'm not willing to invest the time into it either. So like it is what it is. But um, I agree with you. I, by and large, don't do hourly pricing. Uh, I generally do fixed pricing. And I think it's a little bit of a mix of both. I have my fixed pricing. So you come to me, you say, hey, I want a website. It's 10 pages or whatever the case is. I tell you it's going to be a hundred grand. And then if I know that it's going to be a hundred grand and we start getting into the minutia of details with a client, I tell them after a certain point, I'm going to start charging you hourly. So I'm going to do the first three revisions with you. After three revisions, you're going to hit my hourly rate and I'm going to start billing you hourly. And that's how we'll continue this relationship. I have the same thing built into my proposal because there was that one time where every time a revision was made, they had to review it again and again and again. And it was like the never ending project of revisions. Yes. And uh, so that was like one of my very first clients. I put that into my proposals and contracts and um, they came back and renewed a contract with me. So I guess it didn't hurt them too much, but you learn from your mistakes when it comes to pricing and laying down ground rules. So what do you think you need to get pricing right? So if I'm a designer, I'm coming to this or or any field, any entrepreneur, what do you need to get your pricing right? I heard this saying that if you can sell a product at the same price three times with ease, then it's too low. Up the budget again. And if you sell it again at that amount for three times for the same amount, then up it again until you hit that sweet, kind of that sweet spot. And when people no longer want to buy your product, that's when you either need to decrease the price or you have found the right client that you don't need to get, you know, 10 clients if you can only have one and you're making the same amount of money. So I kind of think of that sometimes. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, you don't want to price yourself too low. You don't want to price yourself too high. I do tend to lean on the high side of life. Um, I have lots of experience. I have a multitude of industries. You're getting the expertise of not only design, but user experience. And you're going to pay for that service. So you don't have to love me on that one. But um, I tend to overcharge. And I won't say overcharge because I've not had a problem getting clients to purchase the services that I offer at that price point. Um, there are... Although there have been a couple who are like, 250 an hour for what? I'm like, 
to get your business right so that you could get sales <laughs> so that you can continue moving forward. That's for what. Listen, I don't play them games. Listen, I'm the person who, when I was in elementary school, you've got Girl Scouts, right? I was in this group called Campfire Girls. And instead of cookies, we sold candy bars. It was my least favorite time of year. I hated going door to door and being like, can you buy a $1 candy bar from me? I absolutely hated it. Asking people for money makes me so uncomfortable. So that's probably why I'm putting myself on the low end of everything. I'm like, just, you know, just give me a little bit of money. Give me something. I just hate being that salesperson. Yeah, I I wasn't a good salesperson because I worked in insurance for a little bit. And that definitely was not the thing that Monique should have been doing. The code calling, I can't be a part of it, guys. Um, Although I do have some funny stories from the times that I worked in insurance. But I think what started to change or shift the idea around pricing for me was when I worked for the government. I worked for the government, I don't know, probably about a year or so like that. And um, I stumbled upon this like spreadsheet and it had everyone's salaries in there. And at the time we had a UX designer who worked there and she was making maybe 97 or something. And I think I was making 70 at the time. And she would go to sleep under her desk um, and she would take like six hour smoke breaks and she would show up late for work every day. And I was like, she's literally getting paid almost a hundred thousand dollars to take a nap under her desk. I am not pricing myself right in work and in my business. Like I'm not doing something properly if someone can sleep under their desk and still be making almost a hundred thousand dollars. So after that, I started to get real specific with companies about what I want. And my intentions, I let them know up front, this is what's going to happen. So after I left that job, actually at that job, uh, I threatened the deputy director, sorry, Judson, he's probably listening to this podcast, um, and it's such a strong word. Uh, but I was very clear with him about what I wanted moving forward. Like I was like, I want to make $100,000. How can I get there? And he said something to me, which will never leave me, which is, why would I pay you $100,000 to get you to do what you are already doing at $70,000 and you're an amazing designer? And I was like, because you're taking advantage. And he's like, yeah, but you didn't negotiate. Your, like you're here and you didn't negotiate your salary and that's what it is. And I started a, uh, I started a countdown at my desk. I put like post-it notes on the outside where my name tag was. And I was like, you have a designer for six months. You have a designer for five months. You have a designer for four months. And when we got to zero, I was going to quit that job and I was going to be at another place who was going to pay me my $100,000. We lost our contract. We all got fired anyway. And that's what happened. But the next job that I took, I was like, I'm not going there for less than $100,000. And someone offered me freaking like 93 or something. And I was like, do you have $7,000 in the budget? Because if you do, you got a designer. But if you don't, you don't. And the guy was like, you would really turn down a $93,000 job because it's not a hundred. And I was like, yup. <laughs> and he was like, well, we don't have anything less than a budget. And I said, well, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I really got to, you know, felt good getting to know your organization. I wish you all the best in your search. And I said, no, I'm not doing it for less than hundred thousand dollars. And I got that offer um, from a startup that I went to right after that. And I was good. Actually, I got that $100,000 and I think I got a $10,000 signing bonus. I'm not playing. You all accept these numbers or you got, I got to go. But I think that people were too willing. And I mean, it was difficult. I was going from 100, I mean, 70 to 100. And that's a big, a pretty big leap. 
But I think that people are too willing to be like, oh, it's just it's 93. I'm almost there. I was just like, no, I'm not. I'm not moving off of that number. And $100,000 even isn't even a lot of money when you start to take into account taxes and all the other jazz that, you know, you kind of have to do. But at the time, as a younger designer, I was like, yeah, I'm not going. I don't care. I don't want to hear your excuses. I don't care nothing about what she's saying to me unless you can get me to this number. And I did not budge. And I'm happy I did because it informed how I price my work now it informs my business. I was listening to a podcast. I think it was by The Daily, which I listen to The Daily daily. And it was a podcast about the gender wage gap and about this woman who saw an internal email she shouldn't have seen about how much her counterpart was making and how significantly more it was than her. She approached her boss and he was like, no, kind of the same situation with you. So she started interviewing at other places. And every time she got a higher offer to go work somewhere else, she would show the offer letter to her current boss and be like, so are you going to match this and keep me or am I going to leave? And he would match it. And, you know, she's like, and I, at some point I just, I just did interviews for fun. So, but I mean, if that's how you're going to find out what you're worth, I mean, the least you can do is ask and try and find that that balance there. Yeah, I, I've read similar stories. I think it was like an engineering manager who was making maybe 160 and she found out that her male counterparts were making, I think 210 was their number. And uh, she was a manager of their team. So she had five guys underneath her who were all making 200, 250, 260. And she went to the company and she's like, hey, I've been doing an amazing job. Like, it makes sense for you to match the salary that they have. Because I think the guys were talking about like, I don't know, they were like buying a yacht over the weekend or something. It was a ridiculous conversation where they were talking about spending a lot of extra money. And she was like, I don't really understand. Like, how is I'm barely making it with my family? Like, how do they have the resources to do so much? Which is interesting because I would have assumed that she was in the salary negotiations. But I know that they do separate those things. Um, once she found out that she was making, I don't know, fifty or $60,000 less than her coworkers, she went to their manager and she was like, I want to make the same amount of money. And he gave her, she was like, he just gave it to me. Like he gave me the money right away. And she was like, once I realized that he was going to give me the money, uh, she was like, I started looking for other places. And I think she ended up making, like going to another company where she made an extra $100,000 or whatever the case is. But like they knew her value. And as soon as she asked for it, they gave her the money. But she didn't negotiate her salary up front. And that led to her being underpaid for the, I don't know, five years that she worked there. And she went to a different company and she's making more money because to her, it wasn't about the amount of money, you know, that she was not making. It was about the fact that they never respected her enough to give her more money, which I don't think companies do. I think that they're like, hey, if you're going to take $40,000 to do a $100,000 job, cool beans. We can save that money and we can use it in other places. And I think that we do that a little bit too often. I was going to say, how much were you making at your very first job ever when you were in like high school? Very first job? $8, I think. Yeah, and I was making five fifty, And I was hired the same time. It was me and a guy. We were both in high school, both same age. I made five fifty, and he made five seventy five. This is why the gender age gap thing for me is such a big deal because it started from the tender age of like 14, 15. So I'm just trying to close that gap. But I did. I ended up, so it was with McDonald's. I ended up jumping from different fast food restaurants. So I started McDonald's. Burger was going to pay me $6.75. I jumped there. Then McDonald's 
was like, yeah, we'll pay you seven if you come back. And then I went to a shoe store for a little bit. They were going to pay me eight. And then McDonald's was like, yeah, we'll pay you nine. I just, (laughs) I mean, I lived in the middle of nowhere. My options were limited. So I did what I had to do. So, Jessica, why do people struggle with pricing? I think it's a moral dilemma of, and also the imposter syndrome of not feeling like you're worthy. You don't have enough background. You don't have enough experience. Um, And then there's also, we've been talking about this, the society expectation as well. And so for me, I'm like, oh, I charge an extra $150 an hour. And you're like, I'm $250 an hour. That's And I said earlier, I was like, you make me feel like an imposter. Like, I'm undercharging or am I even worth $250? Like, you have me second guessing myself now because I'm like, am I, am I that good? Am I worth it? I think that people struggle with pricing because money is such a sensitive topic. Like, I think that we have been told in our corporations that you shouldn't ask about your coworker's salary and that you shouldn't, you shouldn't disclose that information. You should be very guarded with that. And I think I was at one point, and I've definitely made people uncomfortable in my conversations about money. Um, but I just, I, I can't continue to like run down this path where I know that someone's making less money and they could be making more and I'm not having that conversation with them. I think it's imposter syndrome, but I also think like you're just so grateful to have something. Like people are just so grateful to have a job and especially when they work at fun companies like Google and, you know, yahoo or whatever else is out there they're like oh my office is really cool it has a pool inside the parking garage and there are free bicycles for people to take and they give us free lunch okay well did that give you a paycheck because making you know sixty thousand dollars but getting free i don't care about that i don't want your free lunch i want my money specifically during covid because you couldn't access any of those services anyway I don't care nothing about your skate park inside of the building. I don't care about the fact <laughs> that you got sleep chambers in there. I don't care nothing about the fact that y'all all love each other and y'all feel like family. None of that is important to me. My revenue is important to me. And there should be value alignment. That's all fine and good. Whatever. Let's talk about money, though, and let's get real specific about those things. Because, like, if you think about all the people who probably accepted a lowball offer from a big organization because there was, like, fun stuff to do in the office, and then during COVID, they didn't have the ability to utilize any of those services, you did yourself a disservice because now you're sitting at your home, got to eat your own snacks that you had to pay for by yourself with that money when you should have been getting more money. And I don't play them games, so it's a hard pass for me. Uh, and I think that that I think that money makes people struggle anyway. So we're going to talk about this in a future episode when it comes to proposals. But because money is just such a gut-wrenching experience for me, When I'm putting my proposals together, I kind of have it laid out smorgasbord buffet style where I allow my clients to pick a package that best suits their price point. And it eliminates the conversation about money that makes me uncomfortable, that might make them uncomfortable. If I come out and just ask, and I do this, I do ask how much, you know, how much is it within your budget? And they might say, we've got $10,000. And then I'm like, okay. I am going to put a proposal together that is $10,000 worth. I'm also going to put one together that is 12. I'll put one together that's eight and I'm going to outline everything. I mean, normally if you just come out and say you've got $10,000, I'm going to make you a proposal for $10,000. But if they're not sure, then I will put together three proposals and they're all templated. They're all the same for the most part. And then you can figure out what you want. But then there's also add-ons. So maybe you want me to do the website, but you're going to write your own copy. Well, I have an option for copywriting. So if you click that, 
you know, it's going to increase the invoice just like you're shopping online. And then by the time you, you know, click to go to the contract, you've made your own proposal, essentially, and you've stayed within a price range that the client feels comfortable with, but you're still making that money and you're not losing out. And because you made the contract and the packages, you're not lowering your kind of like your standards, like you're not going to do more work for less money. What do you do for putting together pricing and proposals? Uh... I don't have an a la carte surface. You won't pay what I said that you're going to have to pay. I, I will say, um, so I I do specify in my proposal that services are not a la carte, that in order to have a well-rounded project, it is contingent on all of the services that are being listed out. Obviously, that would be different if someone just came to me for branding but didn't want any website work. Uh, but I'm not going to... I think that this is a full investment into your business. And because of my price point, that full investment costs money and that all of these services are a requirement for that type of investment that you want. So I'm, I'm not doing the a la carte option with you. This is the price. So just a reminder that Monique and I serve different clients and that is completely okay. Monique has clients that have money and funding. They know exactly what they want. They're ready to offload everything, get it done. Let me see the conversion rates and we're good. Whereas my clients are smaller scale businesses. They maybe have one to 10 employees um, and they've been burned before by their first design agency. And so they're very hesitant to hand over large sums of money. And um, they kind of they want to figure out what they want and need. And they're not thinking, you know, if I invest fifty thousand dollars um, you know, what will the long run look like? They're thinking more along the lines of, I'm going to invest $10,000, but how will that look when I get to tax season? Or, you know, how is this going to affect my salary? Because, I mean, it is a smaller business. And even I would think about that for a couple of things. Like, is it worth me taking a $10,000 course if I'm not going to see the return? And having been burned before, you're just a little bit hesitant. That being said, um, you have once you prove your worth, then you can go back and ask for more money and come on as a retainer client, which is something that I do that Monique does not do. <laughs> so uh, there's no right way to price your services, or there's no wrong way, I should say, to price your services. You have to do what fits best for you and for your clients, and you have to know how they're going to react to the money question. I would say that I want people to understand that design is an investment just like other areas of your business. And I think that's why I price so high. But I understand your business, Jessica, is about like developing a relationship. Because if you've had a bad experience with a designer and you can't fully believe in the things that we're offering, I would understand your hesitancy to move forward. Or if you're someone who just starting their business, like an investment of $50,000 might be too much, but an investment of $10,000 into your dream that totally makes sense. So we have different clients, but both of them net revenue sources at the end of the day and we both get paid. And that's what's important in that conversation. I do have a, uh, a question for you, Jessica. Uh, how do you defend your pricing? So if a client comes to you and they say that price is too high or if you get an immediate yes or you want to increase your pricing with existing clients, how do you have that conversation with them? Um, well, if somebody comes back and says that the price is too high, then that's usually the end of the conversation. First of all, I think I'm underselling myself to begin with. So if my price is too high, 
then we're just not going to be a good fit. But also I do feel out my clients or potential clients before we hop on that call. You can't just ping me and be like, hey, I want a proposal and me send you something. It's not going to work that way. We have to have a conversation. Back at the beginning of this past year, I went to go visit a client and it was just kind of like a drop in. I brought donuts and coffee and I sat down with the owner for a while and we were just chit chatting about the website and going back and forth with different ideas. And we're talking marketing and different strategies. And he was like, oh my gosh, like you're really good at this. Like we definitely want to renew our contract with you. And I said, okay, if you want these additional services, I just need you to know that I'm going to increase my rate. And he said to me, Jessica, what else am I going to do? I'm not going to hire somebody full time to do this. You know what you're talking about. We have the relationship. So yeah, go ahead and increase your rate and you know we'll touch base when we need to for this. And I again, it's about knowing your worth um, and also understanding that the economy changes. So uh, if you're charging $500 every single year for 10 years, you cannot just drop a bomb on your client at year 10 and be like, oh, by the way, it's now 800. Every year, you got to incrementally increase it because $500 is not going to be the same now as it is in 10 years, like I said. So I don't generally get clients that come back to me in the capacity that they do with Jessica. So like they're on a monthly retainer. When we've had clients come back to us, it's for uh, like a promotional marketing page or something like that. We're charging them 30000 but they've come back three months later and they need it in a shortened time frame. So they want this website to be up in a week. You pay a rush fee for having that service provided to you. So um, it isn't I haven't had to deal with as much of like, hey, you came here six months ago or uh, three years ago and the price was $500 and now you're coming back now and the price is $800. The price was $30,000 three years ago. The price is probably $130,000 this year. Um, and you have to decide for your business <laughs> if that works. What yeah. a big jump. <laughs> <laughs> Look, the price is what the price is. Um, but yeah, but you you have that conversation a lot more often. So like I would trust, I would, I would tap you in and be like, hey, does this make sense to you? Um, because I think we reference each other in our respective businesses about pricing when we're doing something. Like I definitely text you and be like, how much would you charge for this? And you'll be like, oh, I probably wouldn't charge more than 400. And then I go and charge a thousand. Uh, and then I'm like, <laughs> I'm like stop yeah. undervaluing me. <laughs> no, like, or, you did message me one thing and you were like, how much would you charge for this? I said, it's not even worth my time. <laughs> yeah, see? <laughs> uh, and then I was like, okay, well, I need to make sure that this is uh, worth my time. So let me charge them, you know, 2000 And then I'm okay with those numbers. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that we have different clients. So that conversation manifests a little bit differently. So I think it's more about like finding who your niche client is and understanding like how this relationship will develop over time. Um, and if you're more are trying to like what my business is where you're having one-off things with your client, then look, a little bit high over price is what it is. If you're in Jessica's business where she's going to be having a recurring relationship with these people, then I understand, you know, why. And, and because of the, who your audience segment is. Well, this was a really in-depth conversation. Um, and there's a lot to kind of self-reflect on. And I have to go back and look at my pricing because you've made it abundantly clear that I am undercharging for my services, even though I've been doing this for well over a decade. And I've been doing this for people who get paid a million dollars a year. And I was not getting paid a million dollars a year. So thank you for that, Monique. I will increase my rates. Um, uh, I will say um, I, I like your pricing. 
Uh, maybe just because it benefits me sometimes. So <laughs> keep it the same. Uh, no, 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 no. I, I believe in you. I believe in your work. I believe that you should get paid accordingly for those things. I always just try to factor that in, which is why I'm like, okay, if I'm going to pay someone $5,000 to develop the website, then I'm going to charge $20,000 and I'm going to pocket the rest of that cash. I don't need to be a yeah, part of development. Because don't forget white labeling. If you can't do it, offload it to somebody else, which Monique does with me. Yes. And then ask, what's your rate? And when I come back and say 500, she's going to say, well, I want to make money off this too. So it's actually going to be seven. Yeah. Or a thousand. Sorry. <laughs> but I got to do you justice. It's going to be a thousand. It's going to be more like 2000. <laughs> uh, but that is a wrap <laughs> on today's episode of Design Imposter. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We're so grateful to have you all here. Next week, we are going to be talking about what are we talking? finding your first client. Finding your first client. Uh, so we will see you here same time next week. Bye, guys. As we wrap up our captivating journey on today's episode of Design Imposter, we want to leave you with an empowering message. Self-doubt may be a universal experience, but it should never define your worth or potential. Embrace the power of your unique voice, trust in your intuition and abilities, and continue creating fearlessly. Remember, you belong in this space and your contributions are immensely valuable. Know that you are never alone on this journey. We stand by your side, ready to support and celebrate you and your business every step of the way. Thank you for joining us today and being an essential part of the Design Imposter community. Don't forget to subscribe, follow us at Design Imposter Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, and leave a review to help other imposters find us. Until we meet again, keep those headphones ready. Hey there, design enthusiasts, and welcome to the backstage pass of the Design Imposter Podcast. I'm Monique, and me and Jessica thought it would be great to have you guys listen to some of the bloopers that we have had as we have been filming. These you will be able to find at the end of every single episode of the Design Imposter podcast. So stay tuned and listen up. Um, uh, go ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, I'll start that sentence over so it's clear when you cut it. Mine? Oh, damn, oh. I was supposed to ask you a question. Damn. It's fine. <laughs> Sorry. I'm fine. I was looking back at the beginning to make no, sure. No, it's I fine. It's fine. Everything. <laughs>